Hi, I'm Rachel, and you're listening to the Tipsy Traveler podcast, where we talk about cocktails, travel stories, and how-tos. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the 19th episode of the Tipsy Traveler podcast. This week, I'm going to be talking about hiking the enchantments, actually backpacking the enchantments. This is something that is a little bit closer to home, technically not at home, obviously, but because we are currently living in the time of COVID, I haven't really been able to travel. So I was able to go backpacking in the enchantments, which is like, I'll get more into what it is. But if you're from the Washington area, Washington area, it's a whole state. If you're from the Seattle area or anywhere in Washington, pretty much you probably know about the enchantments, but I'm going to break down what we did, which trail we were on and kind of the process of it today. It's going to be a little bit of a different episode because it's not an international trip. I'm hoping to integrate more U.S. cities and other U.S. adventures like national parks, etc. So I hope you guys are ready for that because I'm really excited about it. But of course, before we get started talking about the enchantments, I want to to tell you about the cocktail of the week. So I have to give credit where credit is due. I did not come up with this cocktail. This is a cocktail that I am borrowing from my friends Michaela and Alec. Michaela and I studied abroad together in Rome and actually we lived together while we were there and Alec is her boyfriend. (laughs) They are actually the ones who invited me to come backpacking on this enchantment trip and they wanted to bring a cocktail with them and so they brought 151 rum and Gatorade powder, (laughs) which they mixed together, threw in a little bit of water, and called it a mountain mark. If you're not big into alcohol, you may not know, but 151 rum is uh, potent. (laughs) It'll knock you on your ass. So especially with the elevation and the dehydration, you had to be really careful with these. I actually only took like one sip of one and was like, I think I'm good here. (laughs) It definitely warms you up, but I thought it was such a perfect cocktail for this episode because it was what they were drinking while we were there, and it is perfect for backpacking. You just pour some rum into a water bottle and then Gatorade powder is really light as well. If you're not big into backpacking, something that most people are very concerned about is how much weight they're carrying, which makes sense. So anything to keep lighter or not take is ideal for a backpacking trip. So I thought this was a really fun cocktail. It's not really something I would recommend just casually sipping on at home because there are better options, but if you are big into camping or backpacking, it is a really simple, easy, lightweight cocktail to take with you you on your trips. Alrighty, let's get started. So if you don't know what the enchantments are, I kind of want to break it down for you. In simplest terms, the enchantments are kind of a ring of mountains from what I understand. And overall, like an area in the Leavenworth region. So Leavenworth is a small town in Washington. And the enchantments are very well known and even to the point where they've limited the number of people who can visit yearly. So you have to have a camping permit to camp there, obviously, but you have to enter a lottery in order to win camping permits. You can't just go buy them. So it's really competitive and I've known people for years who have tried to get it and haven't gotten it. My friends Michaela and Alec won this lottery, got camping permits to go, and it's about 18 miles total. So you could theoretically do it all in one day. I personally could not have done it all in one day. (laughs) 18 miles is a lot. People do that. They do day hikes and through hikes. But since they had the camping permits, they reached out to me 
me and said like, hey, do you want to go? We had like a last minute cancellation and we have room. And I was like, yeah, totally. So maybe three or four days beforehand, I agreed to go and moved some meetings around and ended up being able to go on this trip. But I was absolutely terrified. Everyone that I talked to was like, your ass is going to be handed to you. Like you're, (laughs) it's going to be really hard. It's going to kick your ass, right? And I was so nervous because I hadn't been training for this. I'd been running during quarantine. You know, the last few months I'd been kind of getting in better shape, but definitely not training specifically for a backpacking trip and for a difficult backpacking trip at that. So I was really nervous, but we got there and started going and we actually camped at the trailhead on Saturday night so that we could get an early start on Sunday morning. So we woke up, kind of got things packed up. The rest of our group met up with us. There were six of us total going on the backpacking trip. And so I think we got going around 7.30 on that Sunday and started hiking up and it was about nine miles in to where we were camping at Snow Lake. So nine miles, if you're wondering, is I would say a really full backpacking day. I know that people who do longer backpacking trips can go upwards of 12, 15 miles a day, but for someone who was not specifically training for this with a full pack, nine miles, especially with the elevation gain that we had, which I think was like 4,500 feet, uh, it was a lot. (laughs) And what's funny is like the first two miles are pretty much just straight up, just elevation gain, and we get up to kind of a part that levels out a little bit. And Alec, who has done this before actually a few times and is an Eagle Scout, so he's very trail knowledgeable. He said something to the extent of, oh great, like that was most of the elevation gain. And I was like, really? In the first two miles? Cool, great. I feel like I can actually handle this. And what's funny is, is after those first two miles up, it levels out a little bit for maybe a mile, a mile and a half. And so the whole time we were walking on the the flat part, I was like, man, he must have been right. Like the rest of these seven miles are just going to fly by. This is so easy. I'm so happy. I don't know why everyone told me this was going to kick my ass. (laughs) But of course, that was untrue. And I don't know if he genuinely believed it and that's why he said it, or if he just was wrong, or if he thought it was going to boost morale to be like, oh, we're done with the elevation gain. But either way, um, it was not true. (laughs) But once we hit... I guess almost four miles. I think it was like three and a half miles. It was pretty much straight up from there. And I mean like straight up. until we hit the first lake and it was flat a little bit like around the lake as we were kind of walking around the edge of it. And then there was a lovely little rock scramble that just about killed me. I am not a climber. I'm really lanky and long and I should be better at climbing. I should be able to like use my limbs and (laughs) scale things, but I am not. I'm just not very coordinated in that way. And so scrambling rocks with a 40 pound pack, I don't actually know how, how heavy my pack was, but it was like a very full pack. What's the right word? It was brutal. (laughs) Every step I took, I was sure that I was going to tumble down all of these rocks. Obviously that didn't happen. Everything was fine, but it definitely took all of my strength to do that. And then we still had another two and a half miles to go after that. (laughs) But we eventually made it to the lake where we were staying, which was Snow Lake. And we actually thought we were done when we got to the lake, but we had to cross this lake. I mean, it's a dam that had water flowing over over it and so some people opted to take their shoes off and walk barefoot. I just kept my boots on because I was like they'll be waterproof enough but it was pretty creepy because if you were to fall there's a waterfall and a bunch of rocks. It wouldn't have been ideal but once we crossed the little dam we ended up walking another like mile or so I think 
I didn't actually time it, but a good bit around the other side of the lake to camp because the next day we were continuing on. And so we wanted to be closer to that side for the next morning. You know what I mean? Geography and stuff. (laughs) But we set up camp and made dinner and it was a really lovely night and I didn't die on that day. So I feel like that's a win. I don't know. The campsite was gorgeous, literally like right on the lake. Something else I wrote in my notes is that there were only like three real bridges. And I feel like this requires a little bit of a backstory because I wrote these notes originally to share with my boyfriend, Brian, so that I could kind of walk him through this trip because he wasn't able to go. And something that Brian and I do pretty often on backpacking trips, and I think it started... I want to say it started in Patagonia a couple years ago when we were backpacking there. Something to fill the time was grading or rating bridges. So we would rate them on their style or their usability, how needed they were. We would rate them on pretty much anything we wanted and give them a letter grade. So for instance, if you had a really tiny bridge over a lot of water and it was kind of flooded or not very useful, you might be like, okay, this bridge is like a C plus. Like it's kind of cool. I understand why they put a bridge here, but it's not doing its job. Whereas if you had like a cool swinging rope bridge over like a big river and it was working really well, but also a little creepy, you might be like, ooh, B plus. I really like this. I don't know. We just make it up, but it's just something to talk about. And there are only like three real bridges, but a lot of like walking along logs that were kind of half muddy or sunken. This is probably not what you thought you'd be listening to today, a random person talking about bridges, but here we are. But realistically, that night, we just kind of sat around talking. I think we found a cool little spot for dinner, but nothing of note happened, really. We just, you know, ate, talked, went to bed. I think I went to bed first, (laughs) which is not like me, but I was exhausted. But then the second day, we were waking up, and we had about 10 miles that day as well. But the plus side was we weren't taking our packs. We're keeping camp at Snow Lake. So realistically, I just needed to take water and a little bit of food for like lunch. It was raining a good bit on Monday morning when we woke up. And so I was a little concerned that it was going to be really snowy up at the top, but I am not a prepared person. (laughs) During the packing process for this trip, my boyfriend told me multiple times, like, you need to take this. And I was like, meh. He was like, you need to take this. And I was like, Uh, Turns out he was right about most of the things that he asked me to take. And some of them, to be fair, I did end up taking like a first aid kit. But I just, I don't know. There's something about like agreeing to take something on a backpacking trip that I'm then immediately like, well, I have to carry it though. And I don't want to carry it. So I can just figure out life without it. And I also knew there were going to be five other people there. So I was pretty convinced that anything I needed, someone else would have, which is a horrible mindset to have. It's really selfish. And I probably shouldn't have thought that way. But honestly, like I don't want to carry 60 pounds up a mountain and I'm going to stand by that. Anyway, I was not as prepared for the snow as I should have been, but when we woke up on that Monday and it was raining where we were and we knew we were climbing higher, I was like, shit, there's going to be a lot of snow. (laughs) But I wasn't as sore as I thought, which was really great. And it was pretty easy to get up and going, which I was fairly surprised by. I thought it was going to be really sore that first day. So we were really slow on getting up and getting going. I don't think we left camp until like 10 a.m. And then we got to the first lake. So it was kind of just like up and up and up for like an hour and a half and a lot of rocks and climbing. Not so much like a, I guess maybe scramble is the right word, but like a lot of rock faces that like you kind of had to figure your way up. 
not like straight up. We weren't like, we didn't have climbing gear. It wasn't like that intense, but we got up to the first lake after about an hour and a half. And then there was even more of a rock scramble and then snow fields that were really steep. And the thing about the snow fields was that like I had hiking boots on and I didn't bring micro spikes or crampons or whatever you want to call them. Like the spikes that you put on your boots to give you more traction in the snow. And so luckily Alec had a pair that he wasn't going to use. And it was actually hilarious because he did better in the snow than any of us did. And he did not have spikes on. (laughs) But yeah, the steep snow fields were kind of a pain to get up. But honestly, it was the coming down that just about killed me. I have a couple videos, one of which was just the snowfield that we slid down. So you essentially just lay down and sled on your butt (laughs) down this hill and it was totally fine. I kind of spun out a little bit, but there was plenty of other snow around and so it wasn't that big of a deal. But then the second snowfield we had to go back down, it was the bottom of the hill was a frozen lake. So if you were sliding down this hill and you lost control, you would fall into a frozen lake, which is not ideal for so many reasons. And so you really had to have everything kind of locked in and I knew that I was not that person. And so I just took my time and it took me forever to get down this hill. And I I promise I used every single muscle in my body because I was hands and feet like crawling down. It was just, it was bad. And I was terrified of falling in this frozen water. And I probably would have been fine to just kind of slide a little bit, but I just, it was just not what I was expecting. (laughs) I've never felt so inadequate at anything I've ever done in my entire life. And I'm trying to think if that is untrue. And I really don't think it's untrue. I think this is something that I sucked at so much that I, I don't think I've ever felt as incompetent as I did. (laughs) But we ended the day. We had lunch. Sorry, I like kind of skipped. I started talking about coming back down before I even told you where we went. (laughs) We went up to Perfection Lake and... We kind of continued on to a few other lakes in between Snow Lake and Perfection. But if you look at a map, it'll kind of make sense. But we ended at Perfection and had lunch and it was snowing like literally the whole time. I'm pretty sure. I don't think that there was like a break. There were points of more snow, but definitely it didn't stop. So then we started our way back down. We had those brutal snow hills and even the climbing of the rocks like back down was really difficult because it was kind of rainy and wet cool thing is that we did stop for a snack at one point and there was a goat a mountain goat and I was so excited because I had heard there were a lot of mountain goats in this area and I was really hoping that we would see one and we hadn't on the first day and then we hadn't on the way up to Perfection Lake and so I was kind of like ah man maybe we won't see one but then we saw one on the way down back to Snow Lake. I got a really cool picture of it. I think I'm going to make it the cover art for this episode so if you see a mountain goat that is the picture I took while I was on this trip and I was so stoked but then it like kind of followed us for a minute and then I was less stoked because I did not want to deal with a mountain goat. I think it just wanted our food, but still, I was like, dude, I need space. So then day three, Tuesday, we woke up at Snow Lake and the only thing we needed to do was pack up and walk out. The thing is, is that I was so sore from using every muscle in my body at the snow fields or like trying to come down the snow fields the day before that like even the idea of picking up my pack was miserable. But you do what you got to do. There was no other option. You got to get out, right? You have to go home. So (laughs) we packed up and again, we were kind of on the trail around 10-ish. No particular hurry really. We just needed to, you know, haul out. It was kind of sleet hailing on us as we were leaving, which wasn't ideal, but we kind of assumed as we 
were heading down, like as we went down that the weather might get a little bit better. And it did. It actually ended up being pretty warm by the time we were kind of close to the parking lot. And speaking of the parking lot, I think that was one of the hardest parts about this particular hike was that on the way down, you can see the parking lot for the last like two, two and a half miles. You can see it. And because you're so exhausted, that's like all you can focus on is like, oh, there's the parking lot. We're really close. But it's not really close. You're still like an hour away. So the parking lot just kind of taunts you for an hour. It's really fun. But we all made it down. Honestly, my knees were killing me. My back was killing me and like I was just pure exhaustion even my face muscles were tired and I really can't even explain that one but it was pretty hot for the last few miles too which didn't help but we all made it safely back to the car I think I was mostly impressed with one of our friends Garrett who wore tennis shoes the entire time I have no idea how he did it (laughs) because I was kind of a mess and I was wearing hiking boots so kudos to him and then his wife Corinna who was just like absolutely I thought she was stellar and she was like I thought this was gonna kick my ass and I was like no I thought this was gonna kick my ass and she just like killed it. It was really fun getting to know them. I didn't know them before. So it was Alex's best friend, Sam. His roommates are Corinna and Garrett. So anyway, I met Sam, Corinna, and Garrett for the first time on this hike, but it was really cool getting to know new people. I think it was the first time I had met new people in months because of quarantine and everything. So it was really nice talking to someone who is not already like in my circle, you know? New friends are always my favorite friends. (laughs) That's not true. I love my old friends. Don't go anywhere. Please don't leave me. Okay. But overall, that was kind of my experience hiking the enchantments. We immediately got in the car and went to McDonald's (laughs) and I got an unhealthy amount of food. And then we also stopped for milkshakes at a diner on the way home. I was sore for multiple days afterwards, really couldn't move the next day. I just was like, I guess I'm working in bed. I don't even want to stand up to move to the living room. But for those who live in Washington or even if you're close in the Pacific Northwest and you want to apply for one of these permits for next year, you absolutely should. Even if you don't think you can do it, I promise you can. There's a lot of mind over mattering for sure, but it is possible. I guess I'll also say apparently the hardest part is a little further past Perfection Lake. So essentially the way it looks on a map is where we started, you can hike 18 miles through and you don't do 18 miles back. There are like two parking lots. We did nine miles into Snow Lake and then another like five into Perfection Lake, but we didn't finish that 18 miles all the way through. We just then came back. Part of the reason was we didn't want to have to deal with the two cars. And the other is because from what I understand, we only had permits to camp at Snow Lake. So it just wouldn't have made sense, but you can go all the way through. And so the core in the middle, if we had kept going from Perfection Lake, apparently that is the hardest area. I think it's called Asgard, like Thor. (laughs) But apparently that's the most difficult section of the trail. So if you do it and you experience that, please don't blame me. I've warned you. (laughs) But all that said, if you want to do it, if you're interested, you definitely should try. I think that you'll be surprised what your body can do. Like when you're faced with a situation of like, you have to carry this pack and get out these nine miles and you don't have another choice. You'll be really shocked what what you can push your body to do. But it was a really fun trip. I'm very, very grateful for Michaela and Alec for inviting me. I hope that next year, maybe I can get a pass and return the favor. It was also just really great because it was the first time I was really been out of my house other than just for 
a walk or a run in my neighborhood in literally months. So it was extra special to have that time to travel, which given it was only a couple hours from my house, but anything at that point would have been exciting. So it was really nice. And I hope that all of you are starting to be able to get out just a little bit and in a safe manner. I know it definitely depends on where you live and kind of the regulations there, but it's been really difficult to not be able to travel since that's always been something that's been part of my life. I mean, I've, if you don't know, my parents are divorced. So I started traveling really young because my parents lived in two different cities. So it's literally always been part of my life and not being able to do it is strange. <laughs> I hope this gave you a little bit of a an outdoorsy travel bug and that you start looking into maybe some hikes or backpacking trips that you can do in your area. It's really great to be out and about right now as long as we're doing it in a safe manner. So Next week on the podcast, I'm going to be talking a little bit about traveling during the pandemic. I recently took a trip to Baltimore and it was for a wedding. So I'm a wedding photographer. So it wasn't just for funsies, it was work. But I want to kind of tell you about what the airport looks like, what air travel looks like, staying in a hotel. So I'll be breaking all of that down next week on the podcast. In the meantime, I recently opened up a Facebook group for the Tipsy Traveler. So If you really love traveling, really love cocktails, really like talking about those things, search The Tipsy Traveler on the Facebook search bar and find us. Or you can also hop over to our Instagram and the link will be in the bio. Our Instagram is at The Tipsy Traveler official, but I give early access and sneaks and all kinds of fun only for the Facebook group kind of of things in there. So if you want to hop in there, we'd love to have you. And of course, it's an absolutely free community. So come on in say hi. (laughs) Let's talk about traveling and where you're going next and what you've been drinking lately. Hope you guys have a great weekend. I always post these on Friday, so if I'm not posting this on Friday, ignore me. (laughs) Okay, bye!